Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number three of Sharp Money live from downtown Las Vegas. We're here at Bar Canada at the D, joined by Amal Shaw, our producer Dustin Sweetelson along as well. I'm Ben Wilson in for Patrick today. True honor we have right now, Amal, welcoming in our guy Mike Samich, newest member of the VSIN hosting team as well. He's been on Sharp Money basically, uh, well, as long as I can remember since the, the show's existence, now hosting The Handle with Matt Brown on weekends from over at Circa. So, Mike, great to have you on. We got NFL, we have college to talk about. We've been doing NFL here, uh, Mike, though, for the last hour. So let's just let's uh, stay on that train as we continue here. Uh, just your quick thoughts now from your own ratings on the, the Chiefs and Lions before we dive into the actual card. Where do you stand now? How Are you in that overreaction camp, or do you believe like that was a one-off from last night? I, I'm pretty certain that was a one-off there. When you look back at that game and you look at how the Chiefs wide receivers weren't able to create that much separation, but specifically Tony in the awful game that he had with the drops, oh, I don't feel like we saw that full Chiefs team there. And if you take away the drop pick six, this is a very, very different football game. Kansas City had control going into the half at 14 to seven, weren't able to punch a couple red zone opportunities in, settled for some field goals. I thought the Lions offense was going to be better than it was. To me, that was one of the big takeaways here. The Chiefs only give up 14 points in this game on defense without Chris Jones up the middle. Uh, they, they struggle with stopping the run, but Chris Jones is going to make a big part of that. To me, this is one of those sell high on the Lions, buy low on the Chiefs opportunity because I think this is a little bit of a false final score. Mike, I love your breakdown of the game, and I agree with you there. I thought one thing that got overlooked in the victory was Detroit's inability on offense to move the ball after that big punt drive when they only put up seven points offensively going forward. Uh, Let's look towards the weekend here a little bit. Help people out. Give us some games you're looking at and some plays that you really like and looking forward to just maybe from a matchup standpoint and seeing. Give me a team or two that you're looking forward to seeing engaging if they're where you think they should be. Well, one of them, Amal, is a team I know you're not high on here. I'm really <laughs> excited to see this. The Seattle Seahawks, baby. You know it. Uh, I'm excited to see them take on the Rams here in week one. We know Cooper Cup is out. I'm shocked that line didn't jump up. I had Seattle favored by seven in my power ratings in this game with Cup in. So with a Cup out, for me, this is just almost an auto bet here, laying the five, five and a half, depending on where you're getting it. Seattle has all systems go on the offensive side. We're going to get all three of their wide receivers out there. The offensive line is healthy. And this is a Rams secondary 
that is would be a good college secondary, but is a bad NFL secondary. So I think that Geno Smith absolutely going to be able to eat against this Rams secondary. And you flip it over to the other side of the ball. I'm not really sure how the Rams move the football in this game. Stafford's missing his number one weapon. Seattle's big weakness was the run. Well, they kind of solidified that on the defensive side by adding Wagner here. He's back on the Seahawks. He was on the Rams last year. I realize these were two close games last year, but that was in the later part of the season when Seattle was not playing as well. And we saw that rookie wall hit three or four of their starters. I think this is going to be a very, very good game from Seattle. I'm excited to see them blow the Rams out on Sunday. Yeah, really, yeah, the only two injury concerns now that Smith and the Jigba has been upgraded to probable for the Seahawks. It's Jamal Adams already ruled out with a quad injury at safety. And then the rookie corner, Devin Witherspoon, questionable with a hamstring. And just from the philosophical standpoint, Mike, when you look at a game like this where you liked it, you know, at five and a half, and I'm with you, I would have powered this around uh, around a touchdown, even even with the, the cup injury news, even before that, and, and certainly raising that a little bit. But market is now all of a sudden down to four and a half, pretty much market wide, some late Rams money coming in. How do you approach that in general when lines going against you a half point a point? Are you looking to double down here, sticking to the guns or just laying off and sticking to the one bet you have? Well, I wrote an article for vcin.com today. It came out on specifically talking about week one betting. I try not to go crazy in week one because a lot of my opinions I have headed into week one are already bets that I have for the full season. I've played over in the win totals or I've played certain teams to win a specific conference. I don't want to double down and really create additional liability in week one on some of these teams. If I believe if I already have tickets in pocket that support that opinion, I'm obviously going to bet some of these games. But for me, week one is one of those half unit type weeks. I don't get up to the full unit and then press really past that until week three or four because I want to know really what to expect on the field. And I want to have some stats and some numbers to be able to look at to back that up. Uh, So I I have this in pocket at five. I'm probably not going to bet it again at uh, four and a half. As far as being concerned, the numbers going against me, this is one of those trends that you hear about all the time in division dogs week one, you got to play them. You got to play them. I think that the narrative is coming across this year. You're hearing a lot of people talk about that. We've seen a lot of these in division dogs get dropped a point or half point in the last 24 hours. I think that's where a lot of this money is coming in. Uh, it's interesting, though, when you compare the road dogs to the home dogs, the home dogs in division do phenomenal. The road dogs are about 50-50. So that same stat doesn't back up when you have an in-division road dog as you do with an in-division home dog. Yeah, great point there, Mike. You break down uh, from that standpoint. Just looking at over the weekend, we've got uh, four division games on Sunday and then a fifth one on Monday with the Bills traveling to the Jets. In those matchups currently, you've got three teams that are home dogs. The Jets on Monday night, the Giants, of course, on Sunday night football, currently catching between three and a half and four against Dallas. I think most of the market has now gone to three and a half. And then, of course, the Browns and the Bengals in this one at two points. Mike, for a lot of people that may not be as experienced as you from a betting standpoint, when you're looking at some of these numbers in the National Football League, do you tend to jump on them early in the week or will you wait to see kind of where certain moves are depending on what number you're looking to gain? It's a week by week basis for me. Early in the season, my bets may come a little bit later, but once we get into the meat of the season, the vast majority of my bets, around 55% of them, come between Sunday at 6 p.m. and Monday at noon. If you pay attention to the market, You can figure out who is betting what teams, what groups are betting what teams, what teams have become popular with the public, and you can almost predict the moves in a lot of cases. And if you have your own power ranking set and you're able to take those power rankings and look at them right when the lines come out, if you're pretty accurate to what the market is, you'll know which games are going to move and it can put you in some phenomenal situations. A couple times last year, I was sitting there with minus two or minus two and a half tickets on the favorite that I bet on Sunday. I was able to come back at plus three and a half or plus four on Friday or right. Saturday the, later that week, and you're able to create a wonder, wonderful middle. 
you really got to be betting early if you want to try and create those middles and you got to be able to predict those moves, which is if you really pay attention, it's not that hard to predict where the money's going to come in because you see it consistently on certain teams each week. Yeah, Ben, I love the point Mike made there. And Mike, to your point, for people like yourself and myself who've been doing this a long time, I think 90% of the time you can nail which way the move is going to go. Now, there's going to be some exceptions to that. But absolutely, I think, Ben, he makes a sensational point here. It's something that people need to pay attention to. Not necessarily for this weekend now, we're past that point. But going into next week, you start looking at the matchups. Perfect example, Mike, to what you alluded to. Kansas City is, I believe, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Jacksonville. Regardless of how the Jags play, this feels like, to me, off of the loss, the number's eventually going to get to the Chiefs in favor of minus three points. Kelsey's probably going to be back next week. And then also the additional three days for KC. Yeah, and if you like Kansas City, laying the two and a half now is never going to get better, yep. right? You're never going to see minus, minus two, minus one and a half. And if you do, the equity you lose from going from minus two to minus one and a half is so small compared to the equity you lose if it goes from minus two and a half to minus three, and then you're laying the full field goal. So laying that two and a half now, if you like the Chiefs, makes so much more sense because you're able to get in front of the move. And even if it moves against you, the move against you is not going to be nearly as uh, costly to your bankroll as if it moves for you. And that was a game. Look ahead was three and a half as well. So we, we've already seen the point adjustment just based on the Chiefs loss from last night. That's also a great point. We sometimes get so enamored with wanting to be on the, having the best of the number, not having the market move against us. Well, you know, if a game goes from two to one and a half against you, not not the end of the world from a, a pure equity percentage uh, standpoint here. As we're talking week one NFL with Mike Samich at Samobomb18 on the Twitter slash X machine. We'll have Mike on talking college football in our next segment. A game that we were just discussing, Mike, though, a few minutes ago. Panthers, Falcons, I'm, I really want to bet against this Atlanta team now that they're laying over a field goal in the market, but you've got a different angle here based on some of the injuries we're seeing. How are you looking to approach this one with a, a total now that's at the 40 or 39 and a half range? Yeah, it's funny. I am not high on the Falcons at all, and I kind of echo what everyone was saying where I may actually bet them this weekend because of what's going on with Carolina. I think the better look than the side here is just taking the under on this total. If you look at the Panthers offense, if you don't have Chark, you don't have Thielen, that's going to be a huge problem in the first game for Young here playing on the offensive side. You don't really have a weapon in the backfield you can be confident in. And you look at the the Falcons here, they're going to run the ball a lot. And Desmond Ritter, not someone I'm really scared of throwing four or five touchdowns against me. So you've got a weak offense for the Panthers and you've got what I would call a good offense for the Falcons with a big question mark at quarterback. But then on top of that, I don't think people are giving this Panthers D enough respect. You've got elite players at every single level on the defense, on the defense for the Panthers. They're going to want to slow this down. They're going to want to keep this game close, especially with the rookie quarterback. To me, this is a game that plays out in the teens. I, I set this number around 36 and a half. I was surprised it was as high as 39 uh, and 40 that we got earlier. It's been bet down a little bit here. To me, this is a stone cold under. I, Mike, I agree with you completely. I see it hard for either team to get to 20 points in this game. Uh, it just doesn't feel like unless there's an egregious turnover deep inside one team's own red zone, that teams are going to have to go a little bit of length of the field situation. Mike makes a great point with this Carolina defense. Very good defense. Offense is not up to speed where they need to be. Even though Atlanta, for me, has an average to below average defense, the ineptitude of the Carolina offensive line could be a problem. Sure. He talked about the injuries with Thielen and um Help me out here. Who's the other receiver missing? Oh, Shark. Shark, Shark. Uh, Thank you. Out, yeah. yeah, I try to forget those LSU guys. Oh, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> the, the bottom line is, I think Mike makes a great point. Even at 39 and a half, we're still talking 21-17. You're not getting beat. It's a good spot yep. here, Ben. We, we just had Steve Fezzik on, Mike, talking uh, the, the next the game will set you up on here to close this segment. Bengals and Browns. Steve does like the Cleveland Browns in the spot, seeing them painted two-point dogs across the screen. Are you, are you on that same side, or do you like Burrow and the Bengals here on the road? 
Sign me up for the plus two here on the Brownies. I think this is one of those games that we look down the line and we're surprised that the Browns are an underdog at home to the Bengals here. You look at the win totals. They're very, very compact inside this division. This is a big time home game for the Browns. I realize Burrow's going. I have a little concern that Burrow's going to be 100% and really be able to move around in the pocket with that leg issue as well. And his scrambling ability is one of the big time factors that makes him really tough to defend. On top of that, at some point, the Browns defense has to be elite. And if it's not this year, when to me, uh, you've got a top first or second round picks in the secondary miles Garrett on the line. You've got Smith in there as well on the line on the other side. Now, I think this is an elite level Browns defense. And I liked what I saw from Deshaun Watson during the during the preseason. I think he looked significantly better than late in the season last year. This is one of those where this later in the season would probably be Browns minus two. And so for me, I think there's value in taking the Browns plus the points. Yeah, we have the data now on Zach Taylor's head coach really, really struggles out of the gate, no matter the type of personnel he has them all. You have to think that's worth something in a spot like this. Yeah, not only that, the Browns just match up well. There are certain teams that match up well against certain opponents. Cleveland seems to match up well against Cincinnati for whatever reason. You can still find that twos in the market. Some, though, including behind us at Circuit, now down to one and a half on that spread. We'll talk college football. There's a couple of favorites Mike likes in the Week 2 College Football card. We'll get his thoughts next as we continue here on the Friday edition of Sharp Money. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VEASAN.com slash picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VEASAN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI and see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access, become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today and sign up today for only $19 on your first month at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. We're about to dive into the full college football slate with Mike Samich, who joins us right now on Sharp Money. First, though, Mike, I understand you, Dustin, Patrick Maher, 
have a joint survivor entry. So uh, how, how, Justin, also you, you can, you can uh, chime in here. How, how are we feeling week one? What's the play here? What's, uh, what's we haven't stuff, even Justin? discussed it yet. Oh, all right. Well, Mike, what's, well, what are we going with? Pretend I'm Patrick. We'll just do the, we'll have the three way no, discussion. We have right to have now. the discussion now. We have, we have to figure out what we're going to pitch Patrick. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I see. Look, I, I know that you guys love Washington and I am still anti-Washington using them week one, but I get it. If we want to use them to me, I, I, so I created a spreadsheet for us. We've got all the home team games that we think they're going to be solid favorites greened out through the whole season. And this is the only week that you could possibly use Washington. So I understand there's some upside there with Washington. I think the Vikings are a sneaky good pick here because there's only a couple games. I would have confidence in the Vikings. They're taking on the Bucks week one in Minnesota. That's a tough place to go play. I think Baker's going to have some trouble with that rush from the Vikings as well. Uh, to me, the other one is Seattle if we want to use them. But there are a couple other good spots later in the season in Seattle. And then, obviously, the Ravens seem right. like the uh, the layup pick, laying, uh, laying nine points right now to Houston. So we're not even going to consider the biggest favorite on the board in terms of the Ravens? Well, I mentioned the Ravens last. We could we could consider the Ravens. Should've, the you should have seen Ravens. the smile on Dustin, you know, the, the wry smile on Dustin's face as look, he wanted to pitch ball. I get everyone thinks Baker Mayfield in Tampa Bay and Todd Bowles is horrible as an underdog. He's a horrible head coach. There's too much. I don't want to be knocked out of this in week one because of Kirk Cousins having a bad day. And I'm actually a Kirk Cousins apologist, Mike. First of all, I, I get that. I, I, and I. The thing with Seattle is there's a, there's a couple times later they got uh, they've got Carolina week three they've got Arizona week yeah, seven I'm cool which with are also them. I'm cool with saving which are also good spots to be using them so like we can we can decide where we want to go with some of those teams um, the Vikings also get Chicago home later in the season so to me then you're you're down to just deciding okay do we want to go with Washington and put this on Sam Howell or do we want to go with Baltimore who's a, a very usable team later in the season as well yeah I just like I want to live to see week two. That's my biggest in week one. We can get cute later. All I care about right now is living to see. It would be so two. funny if Washington didn't go. I'm just going to say that right now. Washington somehow loses. out. No, no, no. That's why I lean Baltimore, because I think Baltimore is going to. There's no way they lose. Correct. OK, real quick. I want to ask both of you this question. So your official play, if you were by yourself, would be Baltimore. Baltimore. Mike, how about you? If you were by yourself, I would probably be Minnesota. So I'll just tell you my opinion. I'm going to be on Washington in week one. If I were, if I was another entry that I was using separately, I would go with Minnesota as well. Really? Uh, here's the thing. I'm just going to give you this one little tidbit. You're going to need Baltimore potentially in Christmas Day yes, and hope the Niners. There's, there's so many. That's why when you know some people say, "How do you plan out this thing for the whole season?" You have to. Yeah. If you're not looking at it from an entire season standpoint, then what the hell are you doing? Just throwing darts at the board? I care about Thanksgiving right now. That's the big one. And similar to to my diabetes diagnosis, <laughs> I will worry about it when I get there. That's a great way to phrase it. Well, I'd prefer to be preventative than have to actually be patient compliant afterwards. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, to me, it's Baltimore or Washington. I could be convinced of Minnesota, but I might hedge myself with a little bit of uh, wow. Tampa Bay money it's, in my I own. It's, it's week uh, one, Mike. It's w literally week one, and Dustin is already talking about hedging to try to make a profit. I'm That's just amazing. telling you, I, I respect the hell out of Samich and Patrick's opinion. This was the exact reason I said I'm floating on my own here, man. Because I can tell you right now, Baltimore would be my last pick when you look at their schedule. I, I literally, I'd take 27 other teams. Before. I'd probably take the Cardinals before I take the Ravens. Wor worry about that when I get there. Well, and that Christmas Day, you do have both Kansas City at home against Las Vegas, and yep. you've got the Eagles at home against the Giants. So you do have two other options there on Christmas Day if you don't want to save Baltimore. I, I, I think that the one argument I could make for Baltimore is that VEASAN has posted up a couple polls on what percentage people or who people would take week one. 
And almost 50% of the responses has been Washington. And to me, that is wild. Like that you have that many people that are tr- willing to trust Sam Howell and Ron Rivera week one in their survivor pool. And if you can fade that pick and get through with someone else, you have a big shot at knocking out a huge percentage of the pool with a, a, what I would consider a bottom 10 NFL team. I, no, Mike, you bring up a great point. I remember in 2013, I'd won a survivor contest. We had done and everybody lost in the Patriots game against uh, the Arizona Cardinals at that time. To me, the reason why you're taking Washington here more importantly than anything else, you've got to use 63% of the teams, 20 out of 32 teams, assuming you get to the end. And Washington, this is the only spot you can use them. I think you make a great point that Sam Howell's got some question marks. But I mean, Josh Dobbs, to me, I thought he'd be probably sending out applications to NASA by now. Yeah, but using Washington doesn't help you in week one if somehow they lose. This is the National Football League. And for me, Ronald Rivera. <laughs> hey, Ron Rivera's been to a Super Bowl. The closest Josh Dobbs has been no, no. to a Super Bowl is watching no, 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 one. No, 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 Cam Newton I picked don't disagree. him up, fireman carry style, hey, and listen. carried Ron Rivera to the Super Bowl and that awful roster. Yeah, well, when the kid, or the kid was on the floor, he forgot to die for it and try and save it. <laughs> I, like, I, I just know Patrick's going to text me angrily since I'm supposed to be uh, in this, this fill-in part of it. And also, I think it also depends on the contest you're in. So like, if you guys are in Survivor, I, I, I agree with them all. You can't use Baltimore. Like In my own personal pools where, say, there's like 50, 100 people, I will use Baltimore because it's a completely different handicap on exactly. how you approach the full season, and Baltimore will be my pick. I, I tend to agree, though, that it's not one I would look at for, for week one. So, I, I like Mike's pick on Minnesota. I think Minnesota's right. a good one here. This is the one. Justin, just do Minnesota. <laughs> no, because here, here's the other thing, Mike. I want to get your take on this. You can't win the contest in week one. That's part of my argument for using Washington. But I understand his argument that if half the pool gets eliminated, then all of a sudden you're in a great position. Baker Mayfield chip on his shoulder out to prove everyone wrong. Would hate, especially going up against Kirk Cousins of all people in a big game for us in Survivor. No, no, no. Yeah, but Mike, don't no, you no, think no. it would be pretty poetic if Minnesota comes out week one and they win another field goal game just to throw it in the face That's of all the regression saying. people? I, hey. I think Minnesota wins by like three or five. By the way, Baker Mayfield from the mean streets of Lake Travis in the Austin area being a Heisman Trophy winner in the first overall pick. Yes, he's had so many challenges in his life. Finally, he's motivated on a dumpster fire of a team. This guy's going to carry them to third place in the NFC South. It's, it's the Buccaneers, too. The, the one argument I could say for the Bucs is this is the best version of the Bucs we'll get all year. I mean, they have both of their wide receivers healthy. Their, their defense is currently healthy. So you are taking the best version of the Bucs. But the clutch factor in Minnesota, they, they know how to win. 11-0 in one-score games. Everyone throws that against them. I think that's also a little bit of a positive for them, too, without that mentality. Yeah. Uh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll let you make the argument later on text thread, Dustin, but I, I'm okay yeah. with Minnesota or Baltimore because I, I disagree a little bit on the Baltimore side. They don't actually have that many games that you really want to use them for coming up throughout the season. There's only three home games that I really pegged as possible plays, maybe four uh, if you want to include Seattle, but their, their non-conference uh, home games are just Houston, Indianapolis, and then they've got one later in the season against the Los Angeles sure. Rams. So... Outside of the division, really only three spots. I think Baltimore is playable. All right, Mike, you tell me your your top three choices in order. I would be Minnesota, Baltimore, Seattle. Wow, your Minnesota's number one. I go Baltimore, Washington. How do you not have your top three ready, Dustin? When you- <laughs> Baltimore, <laughs> Washington. And I guess I would Minnesota. Well, Baltimore, Washington, Minnesota. Hey, Mike, you know, I like your point that you make that this is probably the easiest spot that the Ravens have on the schedule this year, but they do have off of a bye in December, the Rams on the 10th. 
Oof. They do, but the, you got to dig deep. That week, I actually have targeted six different games. So you've got good teams playing Houston, Carolina, Tennessee, Denver, and Indianapolis that week as well. So that, that week specifically has a lot of different options in week 14, which allows you to kind of take some other chances early on or use Baltimore early on and use save one of those teams for later. Uh, the joys of uh, being in a contest with multiple people on a joint entry. It's, it sounds like a whale of a time, guys. I, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just I, the neutral did, observer along with them all here. I did this with my best friend last year, and we've been best friends for 30 years since freshman year at Ohio State. And this guy's a pretty mild-mannered guy compared to me. And I was like, dude, I thought we were going to be facing double homicide charges here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't think you – I mean, I know friends who they, – they'll have five-hour phone calls on Friday nights trying to figure it out. And then, look, um, if we're, if we're going to be real here, it's Mike, it's Patrick, and me. And I tend to do what Mike wants to do because he's the sharper guy of the three. Like, if, if he feels stronger about something, I will acquiesce knowing my role. Well, that's a, that's a winning formula. Know your role. KYP, know your personnel. That's a great. Hey, that is a that is a great line from uh, from from one of the great uh, college basketball analysts, Dave Miller, who I've worked with on Fox, just to just to bring it all together. I like he, it. He, I don't know if he stole that from anybody. I'm just I'm just saying. Uh, all right, so can we just say Minnesota for purposes of the show? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I can still make a case for Washington. This was a great ten minutes. No, but of, here, okay, uh, real quick, I'm gonna bigger. I'm gonna make a quick argument. Minnesota if you're just being completely objective, has an easier window to win the football game than Washington does. Still feel like I'm going to have that live bet ready to hedge at some point. That's right. okay. You can hedge off your 300 bucks if you want. I'll oh, there it is. They gave, you a, they gave you a discount that didn't no, make that you put in the full 33? No, I put, no, Mike, Mike tried to get me by putting a couple extra dollars in. I'm going to give him those dollars back because when we win it, I want more money. All back. right. I promise college football <laughs> for Mike. Mike, can we get you for like two minutes on the other side? We'll get your favorite college football bet, then let you go. like that Because that was a lot for Mike to have to deal with on the Survivor Talk. We still have a half hour left. More college football. Is, that's where we'll pivot to next on Sharp Money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. DraftKings is rolling out happy hour bet boosts every day this week. Today's happy hour superstar super boost to tot off the presses is Saquon Barkley and Tony Pollard. 120 or more rushing yards combined. That has gone from minus 200 to even money. Head to DraftKings now to take advantage of today's happy hour boost available until 9 p.m. Eastern time. I so I felt so bad for Mike Samich in the last segment. He had to listen to you know the, the Dustin uh, bickering hour for for the survivor entry in week one. But we wanted to make sure, Mike, before we let you go, we get some college football plays from you as well. So your best bet or two that you like for week two in college football. Uh, what are you rolling with here for our second week on the CFB slate? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the wood here in college football. I like some favorites this week. I've got three games that I've kind of pinpointed. I'll start out with Texas A&M. I'm, I'm gonna lay the three and a half at Miami here. Uh, as as Amal likes to say, Texas A&M has a bunch of dudes. I mean, this is a, t- a school that had top recruiting classes year after year after year, and Jimbo Fisher was running an offense from the caves cave age. So it was just like a wildly slow offense. It wasn't really efficient with the athletes that they have. Enter Bobby Petrino. They put up 52 points last week. The total for that game was 49. They went over by themselves. Miami looked good as well against Miami of Ohio, but this is just a different class of athlete they're going to be facing against Texas A&M this week. Love the two receivers, uh, Stewart and Thomas for uh, Texas A&M as well. I think they take care of business. I, I kind of like the over here as well, so I'll lay it with Texas A&M. 
like the play there, Mike. Also, it's one of the rare times that Jimbo Fisher has a coaching advantage against somebody, and that's Mario Cristobal on the other side. And <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, you can say whatever you want about Bobby Petrino, but he's a great offensive mind, a great offensive play caller. One other point Mike made that was really important. You look at the last couple of years when AM played these types of games in the early non-con, it would be like 28 to 7, whatever, something low scoring. Like they just couldn't put it together. With Wegman and company, they've got an opportunity, and I think it's a good spot to kind of build some momentum for AM as they get towards conference play with a road win down at the U. They beat Miami 17 to 9 a year ago. Yeah, you're, that was you're a painful is, watch. You're on him as well, right? Yeah, Joe I'm a Dawson. Miami fan, and I'm on AM. I love right. AM in this spot uh, for a lot of the reasons they highlighted. Sure. But Jimbo Fisher, when he was at FSU, he's 8 and 1 lifetime versus Miami. There you go. Mike Samich, kind enough to give us uh, two segments and, and a little nibble here, talking best bets for college football in week number two. Check out Mike and Matt Brown Saturday, Sunday nights on the handle, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Mike, thank you. As always, looking forward to seeing you here uh, back in Vegas tomorrow. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to being back out there. Enjoy Bar Canada, guys. I like the new background. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Safe travels in, Mike. We're having, we're having a good time. And while we're on, uh, on the college subject, Dustin, we, you have many more plays to get into. This is a play uh, Mike, Mike uh, also likes. We didn't have time to give it out on the show, though. It's now up to about a touchdown market-wide. I, I still like the spot here fading Tulane off of the great win over South Alabama. The Sharps' darling dog last week in New Orleans. A national spotlight game for Tulane. Uh, on it'll be a, a 3.30 p.m. Eastern game on Saturday. I like Ole Miss in the spot, guys. Think, think this is the moment here where the Rebels run wild against a Tulane team that has quarterback Michael Pratt banged up. He had his leg rolled on in the second half against South Alabama. He is questionable coming in. I, He's I like, got a spare. I, I like the Rebels. Oh, yeah, there you go. I like the Rebels' chances on the road in New Orleans. Look, I, it's a stay away for me because I can convince myself of both sides. I thought Tulane was going to look way rustier than they did in week one thought the South Alabama defense was going to be really good coming in they had a lot of veterans coming back with a ton of experience a lot of six-year guys maybe the most in the country and I thought Tulane having lost Tajay Spears would a take yes. a step back offensively and they rolled all over that Jaguar defense so I do not know what to make of this game if you have a lean on Ole Miss I'm rooting for you well remember you mentioned the USA defense they put up 37 against the Jags but to me when you look at this Tulane team they got embarrassed two years ago by Lane Train's team 61-21 you, you don't want to get embarrassed like that great season last year for Willie Fritz and company winning the Cotton Bowl beating USC very good coach sure. good opportunity here for this Tulane team let's see what they're able to do now in a more challenging matchup for me the key with this Ole Miss team guys is going to be keeping an eye on the quarterback play throughout the course of the season are they effective in terms of really being able to get consistency out of Jackson Dart we saw both him and Spencer Sanders play Will Howard even got in the game but Spencer Sanders gives you a better threat in terms of running the ball. But I want to see what kind of leash Jackson Dart has throughout the course of the season. Well, yeah. Look, my, my big hesitancy on Tulane just going forward this year were a couple of losses at the co-captain spots on that front seven who have been so, so good. Dorian Williams, Nick Anderson, each gone from a season ago. And the guy they brought in, Corey Platt, comes in. First career start was amazing last week until he went down with an injury, had 15 tackles. He's out multiple weeks, Dustin. So you have that, that offensive Ole Miss, nine returning starters back, quarterback Jackson Dart, Quinshawn Jenkins, the running back, and four returning offensive line starters. This could be a game where Ole Miss names their score on offense, and it's just a matter of can Tulane play, uh, play keep up. Also feels like Lane Kiffin for once in an offseason is flying somewhat under the radar. Yeah, he is. But Third he, best uh, transfer class, according to uh, 247. What Judkins and Bentley, to me, they weren't great running the ball last week. They got to be better. If you're going to beat Tulane, you're going to have to. You can't be one dimensional. If you're one dimensional, you're going to have a hard time in this one. So, good opportunity though for Ole Miss. Look, I don't care if they win by one, they win by ten. I didn't play this game. I'm not going to play this I game. I care if that they win by more than seven because Ben's betting. Well, well, okay, I did get a, six, a rogue six and a half minus one twenty-two. Oh, I'd love to see it. So we can be. I mean, seven works, but yeah. You know, what I was trying to say is, from a bigger picture standpoint, this is an important game. This is not like oh, this. Is
those non-conferences like middle that you scheduled to be able to sell out the stadium. You're going out to New Orleans against a team that has played well last year. And again, they're going to be eyeing revenge here, getting beat by 40. I think that's a good way to put it as well uh, as we, we get ready for the it's the moment under the sun literally for Tulane with the mid-afternoon kick sold out uh, stadium there down in New Orleans. As we continue on the uh, the college football card here for week two, Dustin, you got a bunch of first halves that you're looking to target. Give us the, uh, the thought process. Right, give, give us teams people have heard of. The first one's Arkansas. <laughs> the first one's Arkansas. I've heard of Arkansas. I'm going to lay 23 and a half because they're going up against Kent State, who UCF just ran up and down. Kent Zero State. Zero returning starters. Got gutted. Not only that, new head coach, new coordinators on both sides, all new pieces. That 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 program got gutted. Sean charge anymore. I think Arkansas has a lot of veterans back on offense, obviously led by KJ Jefferson. I think they march up and down the field in the first half, and they have a very good chance to cover twenty three and a half. I like that play there. They was twenty eight to three with UCF in the first half against the Flashes, and I'll tell you what. Arkansas's defense is far better than yes. what the Knights have. I the think, defense might be scoring for me yeah, here. Exactly. I think this this could be a 31-35 point lead at the half for the Hogs. Then you get that it's really, really weird, interesting matchup, the Mississippi State-Arizona. Yeah. Pac-12 versus SEC. I have no idea what to do with this game, but uh, you, you certainly do, Dustin. Yeah, so... Arizona is definitely a team on the rise, but they're not there yet. And they have to go to Starkville. And I think that plays a big factor in this for me. Uh, for Mississippi State, Will Rogers is back, man. And I know they're not running the Mike Leach air raid anymore, but he can still sling it. They'll be a little bit more balanced. And I'm not buying into what we saw from Arizona a week ago, beating up on Northern Arizona. Like, you can't gauge anything from that. There's nothing you learn. Lumberjacks. Yeah, it's whatever. Uh, I went back and looked for Mississippi State last year how they did in the first half and they're a pretty good first half team just lost my spot they've won the last six halves and last eight first quarters in non-conference home games well so, remember they dominated arizona last year yes so i'm just gonna lay i had to lay six it was five and a half i think a day or two ago when i looked at it gonna lay six with mississippi state because i don't think arizona has the firepower to stay in it early in the game by the way, I'd love to watch this game, but I have to watch it on mute. The most annoying stadium in college football, Davis Wade with the damn cowbells. The cow I, having been to Starkville, calling a game there, you don't even fly into Starkville. It's like it's like the Mississippi Triangle Regional Airport. I mean, there's literally nothing in, in Starkville. I'm just, I'm just saying from, I, you know, from being there. And then real quick, in home first halves versus other FBS opponents a year ago, Mississippi State went three, four, five, and one in the first half. The only loss was 17-12 to Georgia. No wow. shame in that. No, nope, not at all. Uh, one bet I want to throw out, get your guys' take yep. on. I've not made the bet yet. I, I have a feeling this number might rise. I'm looking to bet the dog here. Kind of an ugly spot. But, look, Boise State was completely pantsed in the second half, really from the mid-second quarter on against Washington. Now they get UCF, who we talked about Kent State, just throttled the Golden Flashes uh, last week. And it's the first trip for UCF going up to Boise. Very weird scheduling spot. I, I weirdly like the Broncos here. I'm all catching three and a half. I'm kind of holding out, hoping to get four here. Even though a lot of the metrics, analytics guys love what this UCF team can bring with a mobile quarterback in John Reese Pumley, this is a really tough, tricky matchup for UCF making that giant trip cross country to take on a Boise team that looked good in stretches and then just ran out of gas in the second half. Well, let me add to the analytics people. I expect to see a little bit of regression by the UCF offense because yeah, they won't score the after playing Kent every, State. Every offense touch. will. By the way, I think it may just be a thing on the show. I may fade Kent State in the first half, and it was started with UCF. Going minus, what, I have six, six in the and first a half, quarter? Six and a half first quarter. First oh, quarter, wow. and they marched three. up and down the field. So, to your point, yeah, every team's going to regress their following week after playing <laughs> Kent State. <laughs> That's why I wanted to throw that in there because everyone always says that. But look, 
Ben, I get your point. This is not my kind of play where I would lay road chalk with a team going up to. I mean, this is a long trip from Orlando to Boise. It's a tough place to play still. I agree. It's a tough place to watch a game just based on the television, based on the stupid blue turf. But I don't think Talon Green's that good of a quarterback. He's got good mobility, lacks accuracy. I look at this UCF team uh, with Plumlee. I I think they're a little bit more efficient offensively. I'm not going to touch this game, guys. This is one for me that sets up as a pretty good in-game opportunity. I yeah. thought about UCF in the first half and getting a shorter number. I couldn't do it. Uh, Boise State, I will give them credit. I don't know if it was because Washington was being very rudimentary with their offense in the first half. They hung with the Huskies for a little bit there, especially defensively, and I was surprised by it. But once the floodgates opened, they right. couldn't do well, anything. Well, you mentioned that the issues for Green at quarterback. I mean, two picks in his own territory set up short fields for Washington, and it was, you know, see you later in a game where I look at that box score and go, that was a much it was not as bad as the final score indicated, but it, the mistakes kind of multiplied on themselves. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And this going to be an area of concern. You turn the ball over against this UCF team, they're going to be in trouble. We can't wait till we come back on the other side. We're going to talk about the game in Tuscaloosa and, of course, a couple of NFL games you guys are obviously stoked about. Let's go. from Amal. Amal Shaw, ready to go. Best bets as we wrap up the first true Football Friday edition of Sharp Money. NFL plays, college football plays. We got it for you coming up right after this, live from Bar Canada at the D here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
The NFL is here in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5 on any NFL game. Download now and use code SHARP to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That is code SHARP only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. I'm so happy we are we are back. We have picks on a Friday. Picks galore, college and NFL. Back for the final time with our producer Justin Sweetelson and Amal Shaw. I'm Ben Wilson. Folks have been waiting Amal, for some uh, for some NFL plays out of you. What, what, do, we, what do we? What do we? What, what's your favorite play? What are we rolling with here? Week one. Let's go. Week one NFL. I really don't have one. I'm telling you right now. I got a teaser between Tennessee Titans and the Jets on Monday Night Football. Well, what I love is tomorrow, 7:30 Eastern, 4:30 Pacific time, down in T Town. Texas Shorthorns, baby. They're going to get this one done. They're going to win this game straight up. Getting seven here. Like them on the money line. They're going to win the game. But I'll take the seven all day. I think they're just a better football team right now. Alabama, big question marks at quarterback for me. And even still, our Bond and uh, Burton, the guy at receiver, I have some concerns and questions about Alabama's receiving court. It's not as elite as it used to be. This is a great spot for Sark's team. I think a lot of people are so enamored. I didn't realize beating Middle Tennessee gets you this much cachet in college football. It is absolutely unbelievable how much we've been hyping up Alabama because yeah. Jalen Milrow ran around against a bunch of guys that couldn't get Power 5 offers. On a, on a totally broken play, no less for the first touchdown for Milrow. Uh, Middle Tennessee, by the way, catching 21 against a Mizzou team who has no idea who its quarterback is. So, you know, that also is probably an indication there. Lack of strength. You don't want to say it. I know. No, I mean, you know, a guy went to Mizzou. I'm not going to pick on him. It's already I, a deal. I'm, 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 I'm bad-mouthing my alma mater because they have they, well, they refused say, to commit to a quarterback. Because you don't want to hear sense. it from me. Just be honest. Let's go. I, I do want to hear it from you. I, you're, you're a can- uh, I tell you what. Can- I tell you, Mizzou is not even on my radar this well, season. No, it is. It, it is for me. I love Dennis Gates' team, the way they press you in basketball. <laughs> they got a great chance. Oh, I'm sorry. We're talking football. Get yeah. the hell out of here. Okay. Hey, all I wanted was for them to flash up that game board. If you're watching us at VEASAN.com, <laughs> YouTube TV for five seconds, and I, I achieved my measure. Uh, by the way, at DraftKings, you can find Texas catching seven in the hook. That's the only book I see around the country. Texas, you can you have to lay minus 115, but plus seven and a half is out there. Uh, we've gotten through a lot of your plays. Uh, oh, yeah. part. No, I was just going to say, i got to find five plays for the Circa Millions. I don't, I don't even have one yet. I'm just telling you. You can't go in-game on that contest. You cannot, yeah. I know that. And you can't take totals. That's the other problem. Because I'm going to tell you, the best bet, actually, to your point, Ben, yes. Samich talked about this. This is a play I'm going to be on. Under 39.5, and, and the number's going to come down by the time we get the kickoff on Sunday. It's 39.5 right now. By Sunday, it'll be probably 38.5, maybe even 38. The Atlanta-Carolina game under in that one. Multiple 40s still out there. You I was thinking oh, really? Of, yeah. I was thinking about the first half under 20 in that one because Bryce Young, rookie quarterback, that offensive line was so bad in the preseason. They're going to have to get into a flow of things. And on the other side, I don't think Desmond Ritter's coming out of the gates taking 40-yard shots downfield. I'm considering under in the first half. 20. Well, the congressman doesn't think he's as bad as we think he is. I, well, I literally said he's not, <laughs> he's he's not ready. <laughs> Am I related to Desmond Ritter? No. Saying you think he's not ready implies that you think one day he, yeah, he might will be, be ready. ready. Yeah, exactly. That's where we I don't are. Want to, I don't want to close the door entirely. Can you like? I can't emphasize this enough. For me and Amal to like vehemently agree so passionately oh, about one thing, and it's that Desmond Ritter stinks. Speaks volumes. I don't think there's a player we've ever agreed more upon. And we'll get off this and get to your guys' plays in the NFL here in a second. But I, I'm just telling you right now. I've said this three times this week. Let's make it a fourth time. Best bounce passer at UC since Nick Van Exel. Okay? <laughs> That's just the bottom line. He can't play. 
The Atlanta Falcons are holding themselves back. They've got a tremendous offensive coach in Arthur Smith. Bijan, the Ferrari's going to get out of the garage tomorrow. It's going to stall a little bit because of the fact that they're going up against that Carolina front, and Desmond Ritter's not going to threaten that secondary for the Panthers. I mean, that's my argument. The, the Carolina defense is, I mean, regardless of what you get offensively on the Carolina side, good to keep this within the three and a half. This is actually a contest consideration for me. I, it just it takes a steel stomach to, at least in my mind, <laughs> yeah, to want to do oh, it, yeah. given, the state of, uh, given the state of Carolina. All right, Dustin, we talked a lot of college. What, what are you going with NFL-wise? NFL, I'm on the Browns, catching like two division dogs last seven years, 72.1% week one. Uh, division dogs at home, 15-2 and two ATS run. So that applies to them. It also applies to a kind of a hold-your-nose play. I'm going to bet on the Colts catching. Uh, it's down to four and a half. Whoa. Partially, uh, Darius uh, Shaq Leonard, formerly known as Darius Leonard, he is he is clear concussion protocol. That's a huge development for an Indy defense that needs him desperately. And then another play, uh, I'm going to be on Pittsburgh plus two and a half. Tomlin as an underdog, 53-30-4. That's 64% ATS. Shanahan, one in five ATS in week one games. That's one I've marked all summer. I'd really be kicking myself if I did not end up betting it. Also, going to be on the commander's first half laying four and a half. And Dallas, first half minus two and a half. I think the Giants are a second half team. Dak Prescott has been one of the most profitable quarterbacks in primetime. I think he's going to come out of the gates and look good, have a lead at the half. So I'm going to lay two and a half there. And I'm thinking about for the NFL, Seattle, first half minus two and a half. Matthew Stafford isn't good against uh, teams above 500. 30 and 62 straight up. It's a tough place to play in Seattle. He's not going to have Cooper Cup. Don't even know who half the players are on that Rams roster anymore. So I'm cool with laying the two and a half just under a field goal with Seattle at home in the opener in the first half. Especially that that number down to four and a half at a lot of shops. It just which boggles my mind them all. I get that there's defensive injuries, but what what are we really getting out of the Rams? Now you can't just make the argument. Well, it's a divisional dog and it's week one. I you get, there needs to be something more than and just I'm not, that. I'm not even high on Seattle, by the way. But well, I, I'm I'm going to place that bet. I'll probably end up on the Hawks in the contest. I'm going to tell you right now, and I generally in NFL, I play mostly dogs, but I think the Rams are really bad. And, and I don't get why this line is not six. To your guys' point, what is it about the Rams that people see? Maybe there's something I'm missing with them. Sean McVay obsession. Oh, well, last time I checked, he didn't make any tackles last year. <laughs> that is uh, that is a valid a valid statement. Valid point. It's very, very, very true. Uh, look, I, even with the Christian Watson news, I think my, my favorite play, it's been this way all summer, and I will not go away from it, even though as a quarterback coming into his first season as a full-time starter, does not have his top weapon in Christian Watson for Green Bay. I still like the Packers. I still favor them by by at least a field goal on the road in Chicago where the Bears are still completely unproven on offense and this Packers team personnel-wise so much better than what the final stats showed a season ago where they were the second worst run defense in the league. Yeah, a couple of great points you make there. There's some deficiency with the Bears. I'm going to in-game this uh, play just real quick before you decide to bet the Packers because Ben said it. Two things to note. Ben's a former season ticket holder of the Packers that and also in the ownership stake. That is, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, you attended seven of eight games per year. 87% that, attendance what? rate. Not 100, but 87 and a uh, half. The, the most games I attended in a single year was 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 the infamous 2011 season when I went to Packers Chiefs when they were 13 and 0 at Arrowhead, lost the game outright. Then went to Packers Giants at Lambeau when they were 15 and one, seven and a half point divisional favorites, lost outright. Have only been to like one game. Since. I just don't know why doesn't he said he's going to be at Soldier Field Sunday with the cheese head on. I, I have to, I'll be on air. I'll be in this actual seat, <laughs> so it's impossible. We'd be wearing a Brett Favre jersey, a Bart Starge. I'm on. No, green. I, I will be wearing a Ben Wilson jersey, fullback, 1969 Super Bowl two uh, two winning Vince Lombardi backfield. Uh, I thought maybe you had a Bill Curry jersey. <laughs> 
No, I, look, I love when we get the immaculate grid with Packers and Team B, I love finding the most random guy. Like the other day, Packers Niners, Steve Bono. Great answer for that. And anybody else you're looking at, though? I don't think it's a bad play. I'm just giving you a hard time because I, I know I, you're a Packers fan. But you go back to like Fuzzy Thurston, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Obviously. Who? I was thinking, <laughs> I mean, Zeke Bratkowski is kind of my, you know, that's right. Don Mikowski, baby. Magic Man, number seven. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, look, I, I'm very tempted. I understand where there, there's love for New England in, in week one, but that's still a, a completely battered offensive line. Yeah. I'm seeing Philadelphia down to – they've dipped down to three and a half. This could be, depending on where this number goes, if I if – I, I don't think this will get down to three guys, but it's kind of a similar thought to what I had last night, taking Kansas City on a cheap money line paired with Baltimore. You can get those two right around minus 190 right now on Philadelphia and the 425 on Baltimore. It's about a minus 110 play, so I, I happily will make that bet. I think Philadelphia wins and wouldn't be surprised if they win by margin. Anything else for you? That, that's all I'm throwing out for now. I have a few college games I didn't throw out there yet. SMU plus 17, just a vibe thing. Against Oklahoma. Yeah, I know Oklahoma yeah. dropped 73 on Arkansas State or whatever it was a week ago. I don't think they're quite the offensive juggernaut of back to when Lincoln Riley was there. And I think SMU, I like betting on these schools where like they were overlooked by the bigger program, yep. a lot of these prospects. I think 17 is way too much, and that, that number has moved a lot. Uh, UConn, Georgia State, over 53 and a half. I could give you a breakdown. Nobody cares, but I think it's going to be a track <laughs> meet. Uh, also, James Madison, minus six at Virginia. Virginia's really bad. James Madison's really good. That's all you need to know. And then Jacksonville State, first half, plus seven and a half. I think this is a one where they can keep pace with Coastal Carolina in the first half with their run game, control the clock, and maybe lose it in the second half. Yeah, Virginia is a bad football team. I think Tony Elliott will be out at the end of the year. Real quick, we got about a minute left. Ben, tomorrow, U.S. Open, Coco Golf going for her first title, the 19-year-old winner or no against Sabalenka? I, I like Sabalenka. I, I've been a huge pro Sabalenka yeah. supporter in the market for some time. Comes back from losing the first set six love back-to-back -back breakers against Madison Keys last night. Like Coco Golf's been on an absolute heater, all for the better part of two months. Really tough spot going up against a player of Sabalenka's ilk who's been in this position before, unlike Goff. I agree with you. I would tell you I like Sabalenka, but then Dustin would say, how can you, Mr. Pro-American, go against an American and go with a Russian? So I'm not going to go with Sabalenka here hey. for the record, Dustin. I think the most American thing to do, though, is to be a capitalist. And the capitalist in <laughs> America fair. would, would That's make fair. money off what they like best. Hey, you know what? Shorthorns, baby. Horns down wow. this weekend. They're winning shot. this game. Fired up. I said Blanca, by the way, minus 115 consensus against Coco Goff. I knew that's how Justin wanted us to end the show. I'm glad Count, he could do countdown it. Countdown to the Taylor Heineke era in Atlanta begins Sunday. Oh, <laughs> I really want Washington to lose outright. That is my final thought. Wow, that uh, just hurt me. I'm taking be, him in Survivor. I, it would be hilarious. Sorry. It's just, all right. it, the pure hilarity would be amazing. Let's send it back over to Circa up next year on VEASAN. It is VEASAN primetime. Tim Murray, Sean King, take it away next. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.